This is the Busy People Podcast hosted by Nicole Hope and Victoria Albuquerque. Dropping knowledge on all things health, wellness, and lifestyle because you're never too busy to learn something new. Welcome back to Busy People Podcast. We just had a great interview with Kimberly Joy, who is a health coach. And the great thing about her is although she focuses on gut health, she also focuses on passion in her coaching business. So she tells us that you're not going to eat well if you're not doing what you love. So she tries to combine those two to make us all happy and healthy humans. And she's also an author. Um, She does one-on-one coaching. She does retreats. And she talks a little bit about all that in the interview. Yeah, I think one of the best things about Kimberly and this conversation is that she breaks things down in really simple terms. So, you know, really actionable takeaways for everyone, simple things that we can do in our home and, you know, in our diet, exercise wise um, to live healthier and ultimately have a healthier gut. So I think everyone can take something away from this and we're excited to have you take a listen. Welcome, Kimberly. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are really excited to get into today's topic, which is gut health. Um, And I feel like we hear this a lot and we hear a lot of different things about this. So um, I'm really, really excited to get into this and hear more from from you um, about all things gut health. So I'm hoping you can take a minute to introduce yourself and maybe talk to us about why you decided to become a health coach um, in the first place? Yeah, definitely. So thank you for having me, first off. Um, I got into health coaching out of necessity because I had something uh, called C. difficile, which happened in 2007 because they thought I had a sinus infection, gave me an antibiotic, cleared the good and the bad bacteria out of my digestive system, and what repopulated was bad bacteria. Some people die from C. difficile. Um, everyone has an element of C. difficile in their bacterial uh, or their gut microbiome, but when it's overgrowth, it can wreak havoc on the body. Uh, And so you have a specific antibiotic that they have to give you to kill that, but then it's a long process of rebuilding your microbiome. Well, in 2007, the conversation of microbiome really wasn't even prevalent. You know, it was, it was go to the doctor. They said, you have this. And they said, okay, you're going to need some probiotics. And I was just like, okay. And at that point in time, I really wasn't into health and wellness. So I was like, well, what do you mean? And they were like, well, eat yogurt. And I'm like, are you talking about like, yo play yogurt? Like what, what, where are we going with, with this as far as what is it? Well, get some acidophilus. And I was like, I don't even know what acidophilus is. And I, that time I was living in Minneapolis, I can remember going to the co-op and kind of deer in the headlights. Like, what, what am I, what am I looking at here? I have no idea. Um, and so it was a journey because they were like, oh, well, you'll probably be on medication the rest of your life because I had IBS type symptoms. And I was like, look, I'm only, you know, 30. I don't I don't want to be on medication the rest of my life. And so I really started a quest to figure out how could I rebuild what has now become known as the microbiome um, and not live in this state of digestive um, distress. And so for me, it became just a passion of fixing myself. And then as I did that, I wanted to get more educated. So I went back to school. 
um, got my you know certification as a health coach and then ended up going also to get a specialty in microbiome reconstruction. And that has helped with a career because understanding how much of our health resides in a healthy gut from our immune system to our mental health. And so that's in a nutshell how I got into health coaching. And did you... Um... Did you do your certification at the Institute of Integrated Nutrition? I did. Also? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So same. I was like trying to remember if that's how we connected, but um, that's awesome. So I think like, I mean, for me, because I'm also, you know, health minded, mm-hmm. microbiome is a word that I know and it's familiar to me, but for people who don't even know what get, gut health is or what the microbiome mm-hmm. is, could you give just a little bit of background on that before we get into like more of the nitty gritty? Of course, of course. So basically, you know, our bodies are made up of cells. We have, you know, millions and millions trillions of cells, but the microbiome is its own, it has a, its own almost like ecosystem. And that is what lives in your digestive system from your stomach, mostly you're in your intestines, um, and so small and large, specifically small, has colony of bacteria, right? That, like I said, are good ones and bad ones. And it keeps a balance of homeostasis in your body uh, for regulating basically every system in your body. And so what kind of neurotransmitters they send, those are like signals to the brain or signals to the immune system to fight uh, something that's foreign, And so that space in our body, our gut, like when people say, I have a gut feeling about something, literally it talks to us and it has, it's a, I guess, almost its own entity within your body. And people don't realize the extent to it, which it plays um, in making decisions on a parasympathetic uh, plane for what's happening in your body. And so that's, and it's not just your, and it, and it also isn't just your stomach, it's your, your tongue and um, your esophagus and everything, that whole digestive tract kind of plays it. And you also have microbiome on your skin as well, bacteria, good bacteria, bad bacteria. And when you have too much of the bads, so you can get something like MRSA or a staph infection or things like that. And so the good bacteria on your skin, that's why even in COVID when everyone was just like, hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer, I was like, Yes, but no, you know, like we want to kill this, but if Mm -hmm. we start killing, it's almost like taking too many antibiotics and then it's no longer effective and, or you have an overgrowth of bad and you can no longer, um, you know, because you're killing the good and the bad when you use the hand sanitizer, right? So now it's that same effect that I just talked about with C. difficile that you can have on your skin. So the microbiome is basically the trillion and trillions of cells that we have that construct our um, bacterial system in our body that fights disease and and keeps us in a healthy state. Thank you for mm-hmm. that explanation. I think it's probably just not so commonly known how important the gut is or how many connections, um, you know, c- come from the gut. So, mm-hmm. you know, for people who this is new, this is like whole concept is new for, what would you say, like, how do you even know if you have a healthy gut? Like, what are how do we assess that? Well, the first way that I always tell people in assessing a healthy gut is to examine your poop, your elimination, right? Like, what does it look like? And I tell people all the time as a health coach, I ask questions that people are like, gosh, like, why are we getting that personal? But what does it look like? Or do you have a, like, is it, are they chips? Or is it hard? Is it, um, do you have a nice S shape that's kind of sausage-like and kind of 
pinches off at the end and is easy to to pass, all of that's going to tell you uh, the first kind of like foray into it. What am I doing? Like what what is is my gut healthy or not by what's happening with your digestive system? And that was one of the things with C. difficile, just to give you an example, was that I had diarrhea like 15 times in one day and it was like something is wrong and then massive hives all over my body. So your body will alert your, you know, as to whether or not that area is healthy just by your stool and how often um, you're using the restroom as well. So that's number one. Number two, you can do things um, even like if you're trying to test to see candida, and this is just a simple at home type of test, whether a candida is basically yeast overgrowth in the gut, which can lead to sugar cravings and um, other things that happen within the body as far as like yeast infections for women and or, you know, yeast on the skin um, in different ways with the fungus. And I say to people, you can first thing in the morning, um, not mucus spit, but like saliva spit into a cup. And if there's like tentacles that draw down from that spit, that a lot of times is to how much of that is there. If you, when you look at it sitting on the, the cup, how much of that is running down will show you if you really are dealing with yeast in the body. So those are things. And then within that as well, there are tests. Um, I try not to promote any one over the other, but there are a lot of companies out there that can test your stool and can tell you the health of your microbiome as well. I was going to ask you that too, just as a follow-up. So like the S-shaped stool is what we're looking for. Correct. Right? Yes. Yeah. And um, like, what is the frequency, what is the healthy frequency of passing stool? One to three times a day. Uh, Honestly, if we were really, really, really in a massively healthy state, it would be kind of like when you urinate after you drink water, right? Like it would be after you eat that your body in those four hours wants to eliminate and pass what it has. So I always say people one to three times a day, um, it's, but, but if it's, we don't want it to be three times a day and loose stool or diarrhea, mm-hmm. it's, it's that same healthy shape uh, as your body is, is processing and breaking down food. It wants to eliminate and get rid of that. I've actually never done um, like an, a stool test, mm-hmm. um, but how does that go? <laughs> it's very interesting. I, I've done them um, three times, I believe. Yeah. And it's basically, you know, they, most of the companies will send you a kit and there's a collection, a way in which they'll tell you how to collect it. It's, you know, not the most pleasant, but you know, you still get to use the restroom uh, or the potty or whatever, but they just have a collection where you will, you sit it into the toilet and then you'll just take a little mm. scooper and you put it into the vial with the water, shake it up or whatever, and then you mail it back in. Um, they make it pretty simple. It's not that, like I said, it's not the most pleasant thing to have to do, but it definitely, it's interesting to see, you know, what's happening in your microbiome, what bacteria is most prevalent in others. And, and then if what I think some of these companies, and they've gotten very smart, is helping you to understand what foods and or supplements you need to take to try to bring that into a greater balance because they're seeing such a connection with the you know health of your gut to the health of your cardiovascular system or to whether or not you know you're prone to develop cancer or whether or not you um, you know have uh, mental health disorders those are some of the things that you can see in getting your microbiome back into a healthy state 
is one of those things that can help to prevent those diseases from developing. It sounds like something that we should do, um, all of us, right? I mean, Victoria, we, maybe we should we should put this on a video, not the not the putting in <laughs> yes. the poop, but yeah. like the, the analysis. Yes. We'll put the analysis on. Um, but yeah, that's like, I mean, I've been, you know, it's been in the back of my mind for a while, but I've just never done it. And I'm sure it's enlightening. It's very fascinating. I, I try to say yeah. all the time to uh, the more information you can have about your health and the way in which you can you know, gain access to what can I do to live life in a vibrant way for longevity is really what you want. And if you can right. stop something early on in life, uh, it's much better because I'm I'm seeing aging parents right now and realizing these were lifestyle choices that happened in their 30s and 40s. And so it's like if people say, oh, well, I'm so young, I'm healthy. But it's like you don't realize if you want that sustained longevity with good health, um, you're going to want to take a look at some of these things earlier on. Yeah, that's good advice. Um, so obviously we talked about like what a healthy stool generally looks like, but are there other signs of, of healthy, like a healthy gut? Um, a lot of times it can also be weight management. I mean, I know people are saying to themselves, oh my goodness, I can't lose weight or you know, there are other factors as well, but a lot of times when your microbiome is working properly, you can see that your gut is healthy as well. I also talk about mental health. Um, a lot of times depression and anxiety and other things are linked to the gut. I tell people it's not just about what's going on in the mind, but there's something called a vagus nerve that connects the, the butt, the, excuse me, the gut to the brain. I try to put brain and gut together. Um, and so too much poop too much talking, poop talk. exactly. too much poop talking. Exactly. So putting those two things together and understanding its connection. Um, a lot of times if people are not, I wouldn't say clinically like massively depressed or you just kind of feel off. You're like, ah, I don't really I just don't really feel like myself or I have brain fog or things just aren't quite a lot of times that's linked to an unhealthy gut. So I say those are those red flags that can kind of tell you um, you might need to pay attention and do a little bit better job of your eating habits and or things that you can do to bring your gut into into balance. So when you're like the mood thing, is it just because like the gut is firing like like the correct way and it's like yeah well all everything's like working together well, properly is that what the yeah. kind of sort of it basically like gut bacteria has um produces like hundreds of neurotransmitters to the brain that regulates basic like physiological things within our body and mental, the microbes as well, like what that does. And so when your gut is healthy, remember when you say microbiome, a biome is a living, like where you live, like it's a, it's a, a community, a colony. Uh, and so when you're that small microbiome is healthy, it sends those neurotransmitters saying, Hey, the serotonin is, should be released. And I, and I think there's a statistic I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but um, it's not, it's, I know 70% of the immune system is housed in the gut, but there's a certain amount of serotonin that is released and manufactured from the gut. And so that those are places that if you're not in, if you're not in balance, that you're going to start to see misfirings happen basically. And so it's, it's sending like, Oh, too many potato chips, too much, 
you know, trans fat things that are happening. So now that normal firing that happens on that vagus nerve between the digestive system and the brain gets pushed into a different way. So your serotonin isn't released, your dopamine isn't released properly, things like that. So now there's a shift and the balance is no longer there. And I wish I could remember, if I can remember it off the top of my head in a minute or whatever it comes to me, I'll tell you this. We can look, yeah, we can add okay. it like in the show notes later. Yeah. It's totally fine. Um, but yeah, that that's very interesting. And I know you were just talking about like potato chips and whatnot, but is are the toxins mostly coming from our food or are they also coming from the environment? What would it's, you both. Say? it's both. It's um, both. As far as as far as our gut health is concerned, a lot of it's going to be coming from your food. So it's eating processed foods, eating foods that um, are GMO, genetically modified, um, have things that, like I said, trans fats, or you're eating um, you know, even too much meat or alcohol or um, sweets, things like that, sugar, that can all disrupt the balance of the microbiome. And so uh, our foods will create that. And then if our liver gets overtaxed because we get constantly providing or, you know, feeding ourselves toxic foods, um, not even things that are food really is, you know, it's like we, we start, we stop eating apples and we'll eat, you know, apple chips that somebody has manufactured Mm -hmm. and put in a bag or, you know, we're not consuming like the dried blueberries. And while that's not nothing wrong with it, it's like, we really should be eating the actual food that's coming from the earth. And I know it's expensive, but organic because what happens is a lot of these other fruits are sprayed with pesticides. And then those chemicals, I always tell people, look up a person, um, just say strawberries, pesticides, image, right? And when you see it, you're going to see a man like in a hazmat suit spraying the strawberry fields. And you're like, well, okay, now they're going to pick that. And I don't care. You know how soft and delicate a strawberry is. You can't scrub it enough to get what's seeped into that out. And so now I'm putting that into my body and expecting my liver to filter out the toxins. And then all of a sudden my liver gets contaminated and then I'm angry all the time. And I don't know why, because liver toxicity is linked to, you know, anger issues. It's, it's so, it's so connected is what I try to tell people. So our foods for our digestive health, yes, are going to be there, but toxins are coming from the air quality that we have to our water quality, um, depending upon, you know, what kind of water that you're drinking. If you're, you know, got to live in a city, we, I don't know, Jackson, Mississippi has contaminated what I mean. So you just think about, and I know sometimes I look at it even in a sense of, you know, access for those in different socioeconomic populations and how do I have the financial means to do something? It's, it's very difficult to look at that and to see how the system has perpetuated uh, what we call, I call it sad, you know, standard American diet is very sad in general. It is. Yeah. That is for sure. Yeah. Kimberly, I'm, I'm curious because if someone wanted to get started today and mm-hmm. um, specifically with removing or eliminating the toxins from our foods, as you mentioned, not everyone can immediately go and, and purchase everything organic. What, mm-hmm. what are some ways that we can start to eliminate those toxins from our, our food? Well, one of the things that I would highly suggest is just actually eating food, like real food. So not stuff that's coming out of a a box. Now, yes, you could eat 
rice that's of course coming out of, oh, I even say not even a box, but a bag, because even rice can be, you know, over-processed as well. So it's, it's in a space of fresh vegetables, um, looking at vegetables in general or fruits that have tougher skin can be helpful, right? So instead of me eating a strawberry, let me eat possibly a uh, pineapple that it can't get into. Now, of course, that's a whole nother story that I try to tell people, because if you're in a weight situation, the pineapple is going to be higher in sugar. So, you know, or you have diabetes. So there's a lot of back and forth. But if you're looking at, I just want to try to look at foods that are going to be, uh, have less pesticides, especially in, in healthier states, anything that has a tougher skin or something that you can peel the skin off of a cucumber, right? Don't eat the skin. The inside's going to mm. be better. Yes, there are nutrients that you're missing from the skin, but these are ways in which we can try to eliminate. Now, as far as meat is concerned, that's very hard because not you don't have to always have organic, but take a look to see if they're if they're you know what they're how the meat is fed, and then also have antibiotics. You know, because a lot of times you'll see meat that says it doesn't have antibiotics. So you're looking for anything that's giving you an indication that it's a little less processed and doesn't have so many artificial, uh, like I said, antibiotics and or pesticides, things like that, that have been added to it. I also say frozen organic is cheaper than fresh. Mm -hmm. So it may not taste exactly the same or you're like, but guess what? You're not, now, you, now you're able to save money and you can get some of that. The other thing, there are different stores that are helpful. And I try not to, like I said, plug certain places, but I mean, I'll just give an example right now. You can go to Whole Foods where it's a lot more expensive, or you could go to an Aldi's and you'll still get some organic products mm. and they're not as expensive because you're not getting the bells and whistles and all the customer service that goes yeah. along with it. So you can start to find where can I, and farmer's markets. Okay. So everybody mm. can, can go to a farmer's market and really actually cut the middleman out and save money. Uh, it's not as quote unquote convenient all the time. You have to figure out where your farmer's markets are, but that's another amazing way or doing um, where you can do a, uh, gosh, the share when you um, like, can you remember the name of it? It's like the co-op. Co yeah, the co-op. <laughs> like, yeah, basically. But it's another, it's another word for it, but you basically can do that where you sign in for it and you don't just really know what vegetables you're going to get in the day or the week, but you get a basket and right. it's not as expensive and you can try to, you know, make your foods and things out of that. So there's so many ways that you can get to those foods. Um, that are a little bit less expensive. But those are just a few tips that I have for you. What about fish? I'm always curious with, you know, fresh and farmed and, um, you know, get, buying fresh is so much more expensive, like mm -hmm. a lot more expensive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, especially if you're trying to incorporate some, you know, healthy fish into your diet. Um, yeah. What do you recommend? Well, I recommend just taking a look at the Environmental Working Group's website because that website will really help you understand what fish is sustainable, number one, mm. what mercury levels are. Um, I always say a good rule of thumb is, does the fish have scales and gills? Like, because you can look at a, a sh like shrimp, for instance, is seafood, but there are a lot of toxins because shrimp actually clean up the bottom of the sea. They're there for a reason. Right. So we're taking those things in. 
Uh, if we're looking at something like a catfish, same thing, right? It's a smooth fish. It doesn't have any scales. It has the gills, but no scales. So those are some of the things that I just say, just start at that basic level with, okay. with, with where fish are. Then if you want to get a little bit, you know, more and more, you can take a look at those that are fresh. I live in an area where it's very easy to get fresh fish. Mm. So it's hard for me to say, but I know if you're living in, you know, Kansas, it's, it's not as easy um, to, to access that. And so the, an organic frozen is great, right? Or when I say that, you know, and, and also for me, the sustainability of the fish is important as well. So I try not to consume fish that is going to hurt the environment and the balance mm. of the environment. And so that's why I said the um, Environmental Working Group website is really helpful for understanding what that looks like and even the season of the fish when you're eating it, because it's a lot cheaper to get fish, just like anything. It's a lot cheaper to get strawberries in season or this in right. season. So eating in season is very important for us too, as human beings, just in being kind to the environment and also our bodies. Like if I were living in Alaska and I was eating a bunch of tropical pineapple it's not necessarily beneficial for my body. It's, I tell people all the time, you can have someone who's eating whale blubber who lives in Arctic cold conditions and their body actually uses it properly. Mm. But if I start eating whale blubber and I live here in South Florida, it's going to be detrimental to my body. So understanding where we are in the season, you know, are we in a four season area or, you know, is it extremely cold? Your body can process a whole different type of, foods for those reasons as well. I, I found that I, when I lived in Southeast Asia for a while and mm -hmm. when everyone around me is eating rice and noodles for every single meal and I'm like, I, I, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, yeah, this is not what you grew up eating and what your ancestors ate. And so that's why they just digest it or process it differently. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that was very interesting. It is. Yes. So let's get into the probiotic, prebiotic conversation because I'm totally lost here. I know you mentioned in the beginning of our conversation with your initial diagnosis, they wanted you to take a probiotic. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, can you kind of walk us through the difference between probiotic, prebiotic, and um, maybe what supplements are helpful? Sure. Um, so a prebiotic is basically garlic, onions, things like that, that, that uh, will prime the digestive system for a probiotic, which is going to be the bacteria itself. So it's almost like it works hand in hand um, for what needs to happen. Like, you know, if you have a, a solution to clean your stove, right. And they say, okay, well, I'm just using an example of like baking soda and vinegar, right? You put one on and then the other one and then it activates it and it starts it. It's the same. That's what prebiotic probiotic is kind of doing in the body is allowing it to actually work for the digestive system to get to where it needs to be. Now with a probiotic, a lot of the probiotics that people take as far as supplements are concerned, it has to get to the small intestine. And a lot of times our stomach acid will eat it up. If you don't have enough, that's why it's important to make sure that when you do take a supplement that it's in the billions like 30 billion okay. a lot of people will say oh i'm taking a probiotic and they're like oh yeah it's like you know 200 million i'm like it's probably not getting to where it needs to mm. go um and so that's one of the things that you want to make sure uh i i try not to just like 
giving people advice because every person is different. I, I, I'm looking at the three of us here on the call and, and I know uh, we all have different hair. If I were to tell you this product works for your hair, it's not going to work for my hair or my product. It's the same thing right. with a, a probiotic. Everybody's microbiome is different. Um, and because of that, you really do. That's why the testing is really helpful because then you kind of see, well, what is it that my body actually needs to get? Um, there are different types of probiotics. There's, you know, your acidophilus or your bacillus or um, I like Saccharomyces boulardii is actually a soil-based probiotic that can be used for people that have something like C. diff. Or if you go to another country and just like you were talking about a different country and all of a sudden your microbiome is really upset because you've introduced some type of food or you've had some kind of some bacteria in the water, that's a type of uh, probiotic that can help to combat those types of things. So it's a huge range that's out there. I always say I recommend talking to your health coach in general or mm-hmm. your, your doctor. A lot of Western medicine doctors, they're just going to be like, oh yeah, take a probiotic. But if you really are working with like a functional medicine doctor or someone who um, looks at a little bit more of, I guess I would say the Eastern side of medicine and marries the two, you're going to get a better response from that. And like I said, health coaches can say, okay, what's going on with your gut? What's the best type of probiotic for, for you? Okay. Yeah. That's really helpful. Cause I've always just like gone to CVS and picked up whatever was on the shelf. Didn't look at the numbers, nothing. So I bet between my husband and I, like we think we're doing the right thing and we probably have six different bottles of some Mm -hmm. type of probiotic. So, all right, that's good to know. Yeah. So starting Uh, with the, start with the billions. I also say um, the ones in the refrigerated section are going to be better. Although I will tell you that when you travel, they're worse because you can't keep them refrigerated. So you, okay. you, you may want to have a little bit of, of both for for those purposes, but making sure that they stay refrigerated so that those cultures stay active. Mm. I'm always leery when there's a probiotic that um, doesn't need to be refrigerated or says, you know, it's got an active release in the, eh, I don't know. I also mm. say that food is the best way. So eating things like sauerkraut and kimchi and kombucha oh. and um, what else would I say? Um, y- Greek yogurt for some, some people have a hard time processing dairy. So I always try to give you the ones that are, are better um, for, for that so that you're not causing any kind of allergy situation in your body. Um, so I think I said, yeah. And, and pickles, if you get mm. the ones that are refrigerated, they have definitely fermentation as well. Yeah. So those are some great ways that you can get actively probiotics. And then the prebiotics, eat your garlic and your onions. and um, Yeah, that's easy to add into your diet, right? Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So obviously food has a direct you know, relationship with your gut health. What impact does exercise have um, on your gut health? Well, exercise literally is going to help with the firing of those um, like your, your neurons in your body to, to, to help with the ability for the endorphins. That was the word I was, I was <laughs> so that those, those endorphins happen. But if you are exercising, you are allowing your body to process carbohydrates better, right? So thinking about when you're, when you're running or whatever, and, and this is a quick lesson in carbohydrates. So 
our body has two sources of sugar, fat and sugar, right? Are the only two things that give us energy. So if I'm eating a banana before I go run and I do not run through all of that sugar, then my body stores it as fat. So if I run and I don't eat a banana and I don't have a lot of energy from sugar, now it pulls on my fat stores. So if I'm eating food and I'm not exercising, I'm storing more of that sugar as fat, which then, of course, like I was saying before, changes my microbiome. So exercise is going to play a role in being able to help your body metabolize the food properly so that then you are able to, um, you know, have the healthier microbiome because it's processing the food as as it needs to through the body and using it for fuel. But if you're not eating healthy foods in general, exercise as we as we kind of know is going to be healthy for the heart, but you can't outrun, like I always tell people, a bad diet. So that that exercise is a key component to utilizing the healthy nutrients that you're putting in your body in the first place and also helping to release the endorphins for that access in the breath, the gut. Well, I keep saying that the gut brain <laughs> connection. Every time I'm, I'm thinking the word brain and I'm saying gut and I put it together. So there you go. <laughs> and w- would you say, cause this is something I um, am constantly struggling with personally, like am, should someone, should you have some nutrition or some food in you before you exercise or should like, if you start the day and exercise on an empty stomach, I mean, is there a difference there? That is all personal yeah. to you. Your your body, your microbiome is going to determine whether that's beneficial. Yeah. Um, there are some people who, I mean, I used to work out. I actually used to be uh, do bikini shows and bodybuilding and all of that mm. kind of good stuff. This was in my past 10 years ago. Um, but when I did that, I remember my workout partner and she was a IFBB bikini pro. She had to eat before we worked out. Yeah. I personally did not have to eat. I never felt dizzy. I didn't have any issues. Um, my blood sugar, I guess, you know, stayed where it needed to be. And so every person is different as to that space that they operate in. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that just like I said, when you have fat for fuel or sugar for fuel, If you are trying to burn fat and you wake up in the morning and your body is capable of working out without putting anything but maybe black coffee or um, green tea or something like that in your system, no sugar, no cream, none of that. Um, You could put some MCT oil if you wanted to for more energy because it's it's fat for fuel. Um, You could do that. But what I would say is that you're going to then burn fat instead of because you're to get to the fat. If you give yourself something like a banana or anything that has sugar, you're going to have to burn through that first Mm. for your body to then go to what it wants. So it's all dependent upon, but if you're someone who's trying to gain weight, working out on an empty stomach would be detrimental because now you're still burning more fat that your body doesn't have. So it really depends on the combination that you need specifically. Yeah. And I think this is why it's probably so important to work with a health coach so that you get that personalized, tailored experience and figure out what's best for you. So Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to ask you one more question. Of course. Um, I'm just trying to get 
remember what I like just trying to remember what I wanted to ask you, but, oh, this is like way back, but you were talking about um, like the quality of our air. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to interrupt you guys, but do you use it um, like an air filter in your house? A purifier? Yeah. 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 Yep. So um, I have, I've, I haven't, I haven't, like I've, I've used it for a time and then sometimes I don't have it on um, because it's not also for the entire home. So my son who has more allergies, he has one in his room. Um, I don't, but I also use for me, I also use a lot of diffusers. I clean with clean products in the home, um, things like that, that have been helpful. Uh, but yes, if you're somewhere where air quality control is not good, then I would really suggest having one. But the piece of it is that a lot of people think I'm going to put it in one room and it's going to do the whole house. It doesn't, unless you have a true, um, one of the things I will say we have in our home is a blue light that kills bacteria when we, for our air conditioning system and all of that kind of when it runs through. So that's helpful for our air quality in our home. But if you're talking about one of the filters that you just kind of sit in the house, it's only good for a certain number of square feet. And so you want to be sure that it's where the person is who really needs that. And most of the time it's in a sleeping condition um, or unless the person is, has a door that they can shut because otherwise it's kind of useless. Got it. So thanks for answering that. I just was, um, I was curious because I've heard a lot about, you know, putting them in, in your home. I don't have mm-hmm. one, but you know, I mean, there's so many things yeah. I feel like that you can do. It's like, can be overwhelming. So, um, I will tell you what, what I'll tell you one of the things that is good. Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt, but if, if no, no, like, go ahead. Salt lamps are really good as well. Cause that is a way to purify your air and there you can put them in different rooms that are helpful for the pink salt lamps. A lot of people think, Oh, that looks like a hippie in my room, in my house, but putting them by the beds, putting them, you know, in the living room, that kind of thing that can be really helpful for purifying the air as well. Oh, good tip. Mm -hmm. Um, so I mean, you've given us so much information, but like very clear. I think that all of our listeners will be, going away with so many takeaways today. Um, but before you leave us, mm-hmm. is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with or something that we didn't touch on? Um, final thoughts about the whole gut? Yeah. I mean, I really, I really would say what we didn't touch on that I I've written a book and I, the first chapter I talk about water and sleep. The effect of water and sleep on the microbiome is so important. If you are not getting enough sleep, your body is in a deficit. So all of this talk about probiotics, prebiotics, you know, eating healthy, doing that. Yes, that's all great. And we should do those things. But if there are two things that I tell people to really concentrate on that can truly change your digestion, can change the quality of your microbiome and can change, um, you know, your energy level is sleep and water. And so getting, you know, I always tell people half your body weight in ounces. Um, If you're in a normal body weight range, so to speak, I always tell people, you know, like some of my my gentlemen who may be 250, I'm like, yeah, drinking 125 is a little bit, you know, difficult if they if they can't get through that in the day, we start to work up to that. But, you know, baseline 64 is bare minimum, right? And then 
going into, you know, more of an 80 range to a hundred a day is really nice. Um, if you can get work up to that. And so that is one of the biggest things. And then looking at sleep anywhere from seven to nine hours. I know that's really hard for a lot of people. I mean, including myself, I never put, you know, I have two teenage boys that sometimes have homework until one o'clock in the morning. And I try not to be that mom that just is like, peace out. Y'all figure it out on your own. So, um, <laughs> so, you know, sometimes uh, I, I do the best that I can to, to get the proper amount of sleep. But if you can back it up in the sense of what time do I normally have to wake up? And then this would be the bedtime that I should, should target. Getting that minimum of seven is going to do so much more for your microbiome because when we're, when we're tired, we're stressed. And when we're stressed, our body goes into its sympathetic nervous system, which is that fight or flight mentality. And your digestion shuts down when you're in fight or flight. Like who, who you know, we were designed that way. If your bear's running after you, you definitely don't want to have to poop, right? Like that's, so everything kind of locks up. That's what happens in life when we start living in a stressful state. So we want to try to drop down into our parasympathetic system which is the rest and digest. And in order to do that, we have to reduce the amount of stress in our lives. And one of the biggest ways that we can do that is by giving ourselves the opportunity to sleep. So I'd, like I said, I talk about that in the book, Share the Joy, 52 Weeks to Abundant Health. And that's the par- paramount thing that needs to happen. And then all the other things to improve your digestive health can happen. Thanks for sharing that. I think it's, you know, like our podcast, busy people, we're all so busy and it's, you know, hard to focus on the things that are obviously like the most important, which are simple, but we kind of let them fall by the wayside because we're worried about everything else and everyone else. So sleep and water, number one and two. Yes. Yes. Um, and the one thing that we always ask our guests, which um, it's kind of just like our thing at the end is if you have like a mantra or saying something you tell yourself to keep you motivated or just like anything on the daily. Yeah. Well, for me, I'm my, my mantra that I say is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So for me, that's huge for me um, in the sense that, that the anointing that's there in my life is what pushes me through to be able to do the things that I need to. So um I wake up each day, even when hard things come my way. Um, like I said, right now in, in the stage of watching parents move out um, and transition into a different, different uh, space in life in the sense of uh, their transition from this earth to the next realm. And uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's what it is. So that's how I'm able to process the good, the bad, and the ugly of life. That's really beautiful. Thank you. Um, so you mentioned you wrote a book and obviously you have an Instagram, but um, are there other ways that people can follow you, find you or, you know, anything else that you want to let them know about your health coaching, your journey? Sure. Um, I am at doallthingswithjoy.com. And that's one of the best ways, because if anything ever changes, I'll probably change it there first to, to let people know how to, how to get in touch with me. Um, but I am definitely active on Instagram, not as much as I'd like to be sometimes, but it is what it is there. But I, I love helping people 
like what I, my, my slogan in my business is where health and wellness meets passion and purpose. And so I am what I call a health slash life coach, because I do not think that uh, if you're not living the life that you want, you're going to be eating the way in which you wish to fuel your, your body. Um, and so I try to help people get into that space. So I do that through retreats. I do that through one-on-one coaching and through group, group coaching. And so I would love to work with anyone who's interested in having a holistic, well-rounded health coach um, and life coach. Yeah. I mean, I think you're, you sound like one of the best. I mean, this is like, I mean, I just like your mission that you're combining the eating with the passion and like just being healthy, like as the whole body and mind and spirit. Right? Yeah, so. it is important. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. We this was such a great conversation. Yes, and um, thank you. We just really appreciate your time and all your knowledge. Thank you for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. And maybe if because you mentioned a couple of things, and I know that you don't really want to plug anything, but if you could, um, would you mind giving us a few of the like tests, the stool tests, like oh, yeah. ones that are reputable, reputable yeah. that we could maybe link for people? Because I feel like just googling that might lead you down. I don't know. No, 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 no. I have, I have two. I have two. I have two in particular. <laughs> okay. That I definitely. Send. I mean, I can tell you what the names of them are. I mean, Biome is very reputable, um, and then the other one is, um, thr- is it Thorn or Thorn? I think it's Thorn. Thorn. So those two, okay. I'll send. I'll send both of those to you in a link so that you have them. All right. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And then where can people find your book? On Amazon. So it's, it's share the joy 52 weeks to abundant health. And I really wrote that book so that health coaching could be accessible to every and anyone based upon like, so like like I said, socioeconomic um, conditions determine whether you can work with me or not is what I always tell people, right. And in most health coaches in in general, and since it's like, it's not a necessity, but it's a nicety. And Mm -hmm. if you don't have extra money, but I don't think that people who don't have extra money to hire a coach to walk them through something should not have access to the information in a way that is concise. I mean, the other part of what I try to do is break things down in a way that everybody can understand in plain language. Because, yes, I can get into all of the scientific terms, but at the end of the day, we don't we don't talk like that. We don't live like right. that. So, you know, like when I explain fat to people and I say it's like putting too much lotion or excuse me, sugar to people. I say, it's like putting too much lotion on your hands and you can't get it off. So then you wipe it, you know, on your legs or your arms or whatever. Well, that's what happens when your body can't process the amount of sugar that you've given it. It says, I don't know what to do with it. So I'm gonna wipe it on this person's legs. And now you've got, you know, fatty hips and a stomach and a gut. That's really what's happened. But you will never forget, like if I eat too much sugar, it's like putting too much lotion on my hands. My body throws it somewhere else. So I wanted to do that. My book is that way. It's like everything is broken down to exactly what it is. Here's what you can do to make it better and move forward. And so that's what I did. And I also do, and I didn't mention this as well, YouTube videos that break down like in 10 minutes or less different subjects um, to help people with blood pressure, cholesterol, whatever else, um, what kind of sunscreen to choose. I mean, it's just all kinds of information that I have out there as well. Great. So Yeah, that's awesome. We'll we'll link all that and start sharing the knowledge. Yeah. This is, it was great. You definitely do break things down. I mean, it was very easy to understand. So thank you for that. Just yeah, what I, I need. And I know a lot of other people as well. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. Good deal. Well, thank you so well, much. So nice meeting yeah. you. Yeah. We don't want to keep you. We know everyone's busy. So <laughs> we'll, 
let you go, but hopefully we can stay connected and um, we'll just keep in touch. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kimberly. Bye. Have a great day, Kimberly. Thanks, you Thank, too. You. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Busy People Podcast. You can find highlights from today's episode in the show notes. Please support us by sharing this episode, leaving a rating or review, and subscribing to the show. And to catch all the latest from us, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Busy People Podcast. Join us next time for another enlightening conversation because you're never too busy to learn something new.